walk out of me before, but not now. Always being so charming. Video streaming at housefarms.com. I don't care for you if it'll keep it like you're trowling out. Us faithful pimpstick. True progressive talk. Might be a good time for you guys to give up. Oh, I feel like I've been building infrastructure. I feel like... I feel like I've been... <laughs> I've been digging the Holland Tunnel during this whole thing. This is, yes, is the Sisyphus show. (laughs) It's just every time I roll the rock up the hill, it rolls back down. That's what CSL said. (laughs) And he's not wrong. Yes, November 6th will live in Hal history. Remember that show with the the techno (laughs) dance music version of... This This is what I get for coming to Arizona. This is it. Yeah. Um, there were so yep, we talked. Yes, we talked about um, the you know the 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 IPCC report that I you know I was telling everybody like I, I was reading up on, which was fascinating. I mean, there's a lot there's a lot to it. There's a lot that um, you know I think. Now, this isn't like the elementary school ICPP report. That is that's a totally different one. Which is where and you are – stop bringing it up. accuse somebody of having peed their pants. Well, you know, I pride myself on being pretty up-to-date on, on some stuff. Um, and – quit it. And not the least of which, one of the, one of the things that's kind of an ongoing, um, I guess – source of interest for me is when you look at the climate models and if you look at the IPCC report there are five potential outcomes that they strategize on thank you Mandy by the way all of today's super chats will be going to um, getting a road version <laughs> of the roadcaster so I no longer have these problems anymore or something I got like some sort of mechanical solution because good lord um that if you look at the IPCC report, and this goes to the conversation we were having about the, the climate activists, the kids today, the Greta Thunbergs of the world, who are expressing a, an extraordinary amount of climate anxiety. And understand this. These are children who have no voting power. They can march and they can scream, but they are not the heads of industry. They are not the heads of government. They do not hold seats of power. And so a lot of them, part of their anxiety comes from this is something horrible is happening and it is outside of my realm of control. And it's going to destroy my world, right? That is the primary fear. And it, it is growing and it is, in some cases, overwhelming these young people. And when Greta Thunberg first came on the scene... There were a lot of people who were showing a lot of pride in what she was saying, and it certainly took a lot of strength or whatever. My response to it was that it's a bit sad that the climate movement in the world and the governments of the world have to sort of dovetail behind a, a, a teenager, a teenage girl, like shove her out in front. That she has to be the tip of the spear is our failure. It has nothing to do with her. Surely. I mean, she's amazing, but she shouldn't have to be. Right. She's also, um, you know, a, a good example of those folks that are a bit of a wreck from this. She is definitely, you can tell when she gives speeches, 
and the like. She's emotionally on edge about all this stuff. And you can think, well, yes, she's dealing with something that's very important. And she's talking to a group of people that she perceives as not wanting to do anything about it. And so the anger she holds is natural and organic based on her belief system. However, it is wholly unhealthy. And it is, I think, shameful that, that society and, you know, and those of us that care about the environment both acquiesce and elevate a teenage girl into this position and kind of wait, like let her be the voice of it. You know, the youth of today are fighting for this, right? This is the, what you're hearing everywhere. Meanwhile, they're collapsing because every detail they're hearing is the most catastrophic information you have ever heard in your life. It is, it is the climate equivalent of the, the stories we heard about AIDS in 1984 when we were in high school. 50 million dead. There was no way to stop it. There will never be a cure. And there will you know, certainly never be anything close to a vaccine or those kind of things. And we can fight it with, with drugs that we have and all that kind of stuff. But, but it was, you remember the catastrophizing when we were in high school about AIDS and the impact it would have on the world. That HIV would oh, yeah. cascade across. And it was basically, it was just, yeah, we're looking at a third of the population gone and those kind of things. And on the one hand... The fears around that and the catastrophizing around that, to a certain degree, pushed what would effectively be the activist class to get out in front and push for what would eventually become the treatments that would save lives. It also, though, in the process, sped up the use of some treatments that were negative and didn't actually help because we've got to do something. We've got it. This is a crisis. It is going to wipe out everybody if we don't do something. And... And some of the some things we did weren't helpful. They may have cost lives in the process. Can't, I don't fault people for doing the best they could with the information they had at the time. But there's some element of that in the climate argument. Because most of COP26, for example, is about what we can stop doing, not what we can start doing. Most of it is about, we need to, we, you know that thing we're doing? We need to stop doing that. And the reality is there's actually a lot proactively that humanity can do, both like, um, you know, communities and, and in developing countries that have a lot of coastal regions where there's a lot of people, helping them move camp, essentially, having a, a five to ten year plan to make sure that they're not going to be underwater, those kind of things, shoring up those kind of things, carbon mm -hmm. uh, reclamation, new technologies investing massively in non-polluting battery technology and the like non-polluting you know um, and, and I know people hate the n-word in this regard but nuclear Nu you know nuclear has its own weight in the in the world but is it you know it is how France is doing like I believe close to 80% of their energy comes from it and we're not talking about major reactor meltdowns in, that have happened in France in a long time because they, they are newer, the technology is better, and they have a strategy for, for dealing with the waste. And you're like, well, they last for tens of millions of years. So does the Earth. So we can come up. Yes, exactly. Thorium reactors. Don't get me started. But these are proactive things that we can do. 
And the problem with the conversation we're having right now is that it is wholly negative. You must stop what you are doing right away or I'll be dead in 10 years is a terrible feeling to give to a young person and a terrible weight to put on their shoulders, Mm -hmm. especially when in the world of climate science, there is a variety of thought about how much humans are contributing to it, what parts we can mitigate, and the other environmental factors that may mitigate or exacerbate the difference that we're making. The biggest example is um, sulfur dioxide. Volcanic eruptions put a lot of sulfur dioxide into the atmosphere, which has a cooling effect on the Earth's atmosphere. The same scientists that are projecting a uh, 1.3 to 3 uh, degrees Celsius rise in, in the climate over the next uh, you know, 20 years to 50 years to 100 years if we don't you know, lower our greenhouse gases are also saying, and it's in the IPCC report, that a single large-scale uh, volcanic eruption on the scale of Mount St. Helens or something like that would mitigate and attenuate almost all of the greenhouse gases put into the environment since 1850. One, that all of our fears about that, and and this is not like, okay, root for a volcanic eruption. But (laughs) they are... I don't know how to feel about this. Well, I know. And they are also factoring in, I'm just saying that this is, this is factored into the graphs that you see. When the graphs go up and all this kind of stuff, and there's the one at the bottom, and you're like, why do they think nothing's going to happen? And why do the people at the top think it's going to be the worst, right? What's the difference between the two of those? Well, it's how much weight they give and how much confidence they have in the possibility of other variants in the environmental, uh, you know, like weather possibilities, orbital wobble of the earth, blah, blah, blah. And that's why, by the way, right-wingers just write it off. Because that's where they're coming from. That's where they're getting all their stuff. <laughs> One Mount St. Helens, we're, and we're back to earth cooling again, right? Which is why, in a lot of these conversations, it is better to discuss pollution with these folks than climate change because they do not grasp it. Right? Somebody's rooting for Yellowstone right now. That's a little bigger than you want. But... Yeah, this is, this is part of what's happening at the IPCC. Okay, so they're, at the COP26 and at, at the one before, and at the, when they do these measurements, they are bringing in these giant reports full of a lot of detail to all of these groups. And each of these presidents get a, an executive summary that, that essentially has graphs in it that paint a, you know, everything from they have a chart that's basically doom and gloom to moderate and we need to work on it. And the doom and gloom gets the most because you're not going to motivate people with the, with the moderate stuff. You just aren't. They're not going to do anything. They're going to go, oh, well, it's six of one, half dozen of another, two small volcanoes, and it's over. Like, what are we even discussing this for? And that's where you're getting, when you hear people going, why are, we're overreacting about it on the right, especially, when they're not just trying to manipulate politics like Rand Paul or somebody like that. But why you hear a certain amount of movements, not just, and this isn't our government I'm talking about even. I'm talking about in world governments, why they're having trouble moving some of these governments it's because they're looking at the same IPCC report. They're looking at these details and they're going, there's mitigatory hope for these kind of things. We have other problems that are worse than this. We have, you know, current starvation levels. And the only thing that's going to feed these people is diesel trucks. That's look at Africa, look at India, look at, um, you know, large swath of, of like of the far Eastern part of Russia, 
Um, that's the only way they keep these people alive is fossil fuels. You shut that off tomorrow, those people just die. The minute, you know, we, we've been talking about when you reach, and we got to take a break, but when you reach the end of fossil fuels, because it's going to dry up one day. The usable amount of fossil fuels, especially oil, is going to end. It's, we're, you know, you could argue that we hit peak oil in the 70s and that we're on the downslope and the Saudis are basically oil poor right now and they're just lying about it. And, and a lot of countries are just kind of, that's why we're do, hearing so much talk about coal and natural gas. It's because everybody knows the oil is gone for, the, for, you know, on the scale that we used to use it. And knowing that, we're going to hit a point where there's no more oil. There just isn't. Even if you wanted to keep using it, if you want to keep burning it, even if you want it to be your primary fuel source, it's not going to be there. When that happens, there will be somewhere in the order of a billion lives lost if we don't move in the direction of these modifications. And that's more what COP26 and the positive shift can be about. Because you just get rid of oil tomorrow, you go, no more fossil fuels. We're outlawing it. Starting tomorrow, park your car, take it. You know, we're going we're gonna to send natural gas buses around until we can get everybody electric. You do that, half a billion people are dead within 16 months. Because that's how they get it to them. And that's the, you know, that's the pushback. That's why you're hearing pushback. It's not that they don't know that it's damaging. It's that they're mitigating the damage against, for their own people. Uh, we got to take a break. We'll come back after this. Um, uh, the IPCC report is fascinating and has more depth and variability than I think people recognize. And if we mitigate and talk about that, if we're able to have that discussion, we will. Maybe these kids won't feel panicked for their future so much, and we can make we can interest them in in their value in the incremental change so that they're not driven to near suicidal panic by, by the catastrophizing that is necessary to motivate people because they just sit on their butts. That's my concern. It should not be on their shoulders. We'll be back. I know I'm only on one day a week. I get it. I'm going to have to jump on uh, GarageBand and start sawing something together. This is the house part show. And a guitar note. And then progressive. And all. Yeah, it's going to be good. Hey, Hal, did you mean something like this? This is the house part show. And a guitar note. And then progressive. And all. Yeah, it's going to be good. Welcome back, everybody. So, as I, as I was you know, reading the IPCC report. And, I, and again, I think, you know, maybe this is a little too wonky, and this kind of goes into the infrastructure bank level of, of things. There are parts of the report that are highlighted, and there are graphics that are in red. And these are meant to be motivators. These are the things you will see in the newspaper from the IPCC report. Minus the how much um, confidence they have in them because they will, they will go likely, very likely, um, uh, uh, near certainty is one of the highest levels or whatever. Um, and they, they grade their predictions. Everybody agrees on heat. Everybody agrees that, in general, and all these things, that the temperature is going up. The variability in the IPCC report comes from how much humans play in that amount. 
Now, the 97% figure you hear all the time, that there's 97% agreement that humans play a part in, are, are causing global warming. That's what you hear. Basically, that's the thing. 97% agree. What that really breaks down to is 97% of the, the papers that the IPCC report deals with are the scientists that are involved in this. And I know this gets a little like hair splitty, but it's important. And again, this is about bringing down the catastrophizing to a functional level where we can all move together towards actually solving the problem instead of scaring the living fertilizer out of all these kids and making them paralyzed and think that there's, this is a, the doom is for sure, because that's where they are right now. If you watch the kids that were marching and stuff like that, it's not that they feel like, look, I feel like I can make a change, like somebody working for voting rights in the civil rights era or something like that. They're like committed to this. They know it's important, and they feel like they can make a change. These kids feel like it's over, practically, and it's heartbreaking to see them put in that position because of how we talk about these issues to motivate ourselves because grown-ups have to be poked with a, 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 you know, a fire poker to do this. So um, one of the... One of the areas of the IPCC report that really stood out to me was one of the areas um, that's section B2 on this on one of the pages in the executive summary where it said, many changes in the climate system become larger in direct relation to increasing global warming. They, they include increases in the frequency and intensity of hot extremes, marine heat waves, heavy precipitation, and in some region, regions, agricultural and ecological droughts. An increase in the proportion of intense tropical cyclones and reductions in Arctic sea ice, snow cover, and permafrost. And that's something we're used to hearing. That is something that's not, uh, it, to anybody who cares about the environment and has been working on these things for a long time, that's something you're used to hearing. And that is, a, it is absolutely true and reflects how we should mitigate the amount of you know, uh, chlorofluorocarbons we're putting into the atmosphere and all that kind of stuff or greenhouse gases, rather. The section right before it says, global surface temperature in any single year can vary above or below the long-term human-induced trend due to substantial natural viability. The occurrence of individual years with global surface temperature uh, change above a certain level, for example, 1.5 Celsius or 2 Celsius, uh, two degrees Celsius, relative to 1850 to 1900, which is the baseline they're using, by the way. When you hear most what we're talking about in the Celsius rise, when the COP26 is talking about it, when, the, uh, when they're discussing this, what they're talking about is a temperature they're using based on 1850 to 1900. That, that was, that's kind of like the sweet spot in their estimation. Semi-pre-industrial, near natural, semi-pre-industrial. And, and as, as far as, as and also with accurate reporting. Yes, that's right. Yes. Um, previous to that, though, they also know, because of fossil record and other stuff, in 2015 year cycles and and 100,000 years and like there were areas where it was far higher it was overwhelmingly high um um comparatively but this is what we're mitigating on because humans have been around and this is kind of hey how do we flourish in this area right how what is that a good window um and it was it was it was hotter pre-1850 to some degree but um but that was the, the point was that relative 1850 to 1900 does not imply that this global warming level has been reached. And that's one of the points where, where we might see a trend, and it's a correctable trend in some areas. If it gets super hot in the summer, the fear is, oh, my God, global warming is here. It's upon us, and it's too late. And that's what's happening right now is we're seeing this kind of generic rises um, in, in certain years. And each one has an incremental year if you go global, but in certain areas it's mitigatory. 
the mitigatory heat waves or whatever, no one remembers the any vacillation, which there will always be because the Earth is not a machine in that regard, is an organic system. That there is sort of a panic created that once we've hit, you know, that it seems like the temperature got really hot this year. Therefore, this is now the new normal, and it almost relates to how we talk about um, inflation, for example. That's listen to the conversation about inflation and the doom saying about inflation right now, that that's going to go up, and then uh, because that's going to go up, so are wages, and then when wages go up, inflation chases that, and then and then and then Andrew Yang's going to form a third party, and and. Uh, and, and, and keep Democrats from getting elected, and we're going to have UBI, and then everything's going to go up exactly $1,000, right? That's the, if you, it, right? Because that's the, the automatic gainsaying of, of, of whatever doom someone else presents. And I think, you know, there, was, there, there is a huge process going on, an international process going on right now to clean up that giant garbage island in the in the Pacific, remember we heard about that for a long while. Oh, yeah, yeah. All the all the plastic was sort of collecting and forming its own little island. There is an an enormous international effort right now to clean that up. There are boats out there doing it. They have these giant nets. They're pulling stuff in. They're this garbage scows are grinding the stuff up and trying to put it either in a way that they can. Res- you know, move it to recycling if it's largely plastic or put it in a landfill so that, you know, it can just be, you know, in a couple thousand years, it'll be a, 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 a chunk of lava about four feet wide. Um, they are, yeah, there are drones that are uh, trying to grab plastic uh, as well. Like there is a huge effort around this. There are also more mitigatory efforts in in the United States and the Western countries, especially around and, and we in the United States use up a lot of this stuff. We use, you know, we, our carbon footprint is higher because we also instigate most of the world's economy. So, of course, it is going to be because it counts everybody who comes in to be part of it. We, we are doing more to mitigate that than I think people give the United States credit for over the last few years because we've had to fight so hard for the people who just want to turn off all the fixes because the right wing are so anti-solar, or you know, Trump thinks windmills give her, you know, birds cancer before you know they drop in the middle of the road and destroy the view. Um, so because we've had to fight so hard against their absolute denialism, we are at the same time not recognizing the benefits and the possibilities and the you know, the optimism of it. And it is landing on the shoulders of youthful climate activists, and I find that shameful. And I think, were there to be a broader conversation with these uh, activists and kids about the progress that is being made, and they weren't being told all the time that no one cares, and no one's working towards this, and that everybody at at COP26 is exactly the same and all the states are acting the same way and because China doesn't you know is burning a lot of coal doesn't mean everybody else is joining in then their activism could be channeled away from signs and anger and sorrow and towards invention creativity and development because that's 
the future that will save us from this. I would rather these kids end up inventors with a sense of hope than demoralized, broken children who think that nobody cares. Because that's not the case. We, a lot of us do, and there's a lot of progress that is being made and can be made. We've got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. It's the House Sports Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on WCPT Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk.